It was a normal Christmas Eve in 1945 for the Sauter family of Field, West Virginia, except for the oldest, for the eldest son being away in the army. All nine of his siblings were enjoying the holidays at home with their parents, George and Jenny. When it was time for children to go to bed, five of the children, Maurice, 14, Martha, 12, Louis, 10, Jenny, 8, and Betty, the youngest, 6, asked for permission to stay up later. Jenny told them they could stay up a little while longer. They had to remember to take care of the farm animals, turn out the lights, close the curtains, and lock the front door before going to bed. George and Jenny and four of their ch other children then went to bed with the eldest daughter falling asleep on the couch. Later in the early hours of the middle night, the phone rang. Jenny left her bed to answer the phone. A woman on the other side of the line had background noises like there were people talking. The woman asked Jenny for someone that, and Jenny didn't know who it was. So Jenny told the woman that she had the wrong number. The woman laughed strangely and quickly hung up. Jenny turned her focus and noticed that the house, that the lights were on, the door was not closed. And she presumed that the five children who had stayed up late had forgotten. She closed up the house and returned to the bed. Back in bed, Jenny was drifting back into sleep when she heard what sounded like an object landing on the roof and then rolling down along the side of the house and then she smelled the smoke it was it was approximately 1 30 a.m on christmas day she shook george awake and ran to the door of the bedroom the hallway was filled with smoke and flames covered the stairway leading up to the children's bedroom george and jenny shouted out the stairs for everyone to get out of the house quickly once out front a head count showed that the five children who had stayed up late were not outside with the rest of the family the flames grew quickly and blocked George from going back into the house, thinking the only way to get the five children out would be to get them out through a tab floor window. He raced around to the side of the house where a ladder always stood. The ladder, the ladder was gone. Panicking, George then thought if he could move on, if he could move one of his trucks next to the side of the house, he could stand on top of that and help the five children out the window. He ran to the first one. He went to the first truck and then to the other, only to find out that they wouldn't start, although they had both been working perfectly the previous days. All George and Jenny and the four children who had managed to flee the house could do was watch the fire ravage the house. The fire was brutal and reduced the house to ashes in less than an hour. Nothing was left but shared timbers, rubble, and the basement. Allegedly, because the fire chief could not drive the fire truck and because it was a holiday, it wasn't until 8 a.m. Hours after the fire had burned itself out, the, the fire truck appeared. Local police followed the firemen to the scene and did a check investigation. The coroner was consulted and it was determined that the five children had undoubtedly died in the fire and that the fire had been, had been caused by faulty wiring. When the fire department told George and Jenny that their five children had died, they were not satisfied with this answer. They wanted an investigation to truly explain how, among other things, faulty wiring could have caused a fire when several lights were working perfectly during the actual fire. They suggested that there was something more to be discovered and they demanded an answer. First and foremost, there were no human remains found anywhere in the rubble and nobody had noticed the, the, the distinct smell of burning flesh during the fire or afterwards. Sifting throughout all of the ashes produced no skeleton. Jenny would later find out from a local 
doctor that it took at least two hours at a temperature much higher than that of house fire for a skeleton to disintegrate but the fire at the solder home burned for less than an hour there should have been five skeletons among these ashes they came across a bus driver who stated that he had seen what he described as fireballs being thrown onto the roof of the house could this have been the noise jenny heard a woman somewhat familiar with the solder family stated to have clearly seen the five children go by in a strange car while the fire was blazing. At a diner, 50 miles west of Faderfield, a waitress would, would later say that she had served breakfast to the five children on Christmas morning, but she couldn't recall how many adults were with them. As word spread and photographs of the children were shown in the vicinity, a woman said that she saw four of the children, but was the fifth in company of four adults at a hotel in South Carolina. These glimpses gave George and Jenny hope and caused them to pursue their own investigation and forensic experiments. Before we get ahead of ourselves, let's go back time. Let's go back a few years later, just for clues. The Sodders planted flowers across the space where their house had stood and began to stitch together a series of odd movements leading up to the fire. For example, there was a stranger who appeared at the home a few months earlier back in the fall asking about hauling wood. He meandered to the back of the house, pointed to two separate fuse boxes, and said this is going to cause a fire someday. Strange, George thought, especially since he, he had just had the wiring checked by the local power company, which pronounced it in fine condition. Another example, around the same time, another man tried to sell the family life insurance and became irritated when George declined it. He said, your goddamn house is going up in smoke, he warned, and your children are going to be destroyed. You are going to be paid for the dirty remarks you have been making about Mussolini. George was indeed outspoken about his dislikes for the Italian dictator. Engaging in heated arguments with other members at Fayetteville Italian community, and at the time, didn't take the man's threat seriously. Another example is, the older, the older, the older solder son also recalled something peculiar just before Christmas. They noticed a man parked alongside along US Highway 21, intent, intently watching the youngest kids as they came home from school. Armed with these facts, George and Jenny went back to the police and demanded to have the fire further investigated, but the police refused, claiming that the coroner's ingredient determined that no crime had been committed. So George and Jenny continued to, uh, alone in trying to find answers. George and Jenny would repeatedly dig through the wounds, looking for some kind of clue, and eventually there appeared to be the first trace of evidence. A few bones and what seemed to be some kind of inner organ. Tests show that the organ was a cow's liver and that the bones come, came from a person older than any of the five missing children. And the bones showed no sign of damage or exposure to fire. George and Jenny would not quit. They, ere they erected a billboard near the site of their former home which featured photos of the five children and announced a $10,000 reward for the safe return of their children, whom they now thoroughly believed to be alive and taken from the house while the fire was deliberately set to cover the tracks of some kind of abduction. Time passed. George and Jenny and their surviving children continued their search. Then, in 1968, 23 years later, after the fire had destroyed the house, Jenny got an envelope in the mail and it had been mailed from a city in Kentucky.
There was no return address, just a postmark. Inside was a photograph of a young man. On the back, it was written, Louis Sara. I love Brother Frankie. I love boys. Authorities thought it was some kind of cool hoax, but George and Jenny thought the photograph looked exactly how Louis would have looked as an adult. There were multiple similarities. Once again, hopefully, they hired a private investigator to go to the seat in Kentucky to drag down the photo sender or the young man himself. The investigator left Fizz, Virginia with his money and was never heard from again. The 1968 photo was the last possibly evident that ever came to, the, to George and Jenny. George would die in 1969 and Jenny would die 20 years later. They never believed that their five beloved children died in the fire early on Christmas morning. It's hard to begin sorting out too many the many mysteries contained in this story. Some questions that have never been answered. Like for example, who was the woman on the phone? And who moved the ladder when George was trying to save his, his kid? Who threw the fireballs at the Sauter's home? Like, who sent the photo in 1968 and who was the young man in the photo? We, these questions will, I don't know, will never be answered and we'll never, we'll never find them out. It was a normal Christmas Eve in 1945 for the Sauter family of Fatalville, West Virginia. Except for the oldest, for the eldest son being away in the army, all nine of his siblings were enjoying the holidays at home with their parents, George and Jenny. When it was time for children to go to bed, five of the children, Maurice, 14, Martha, 12, Louis, 10, Jenny, 8, and Betty, the youngest, 6, asked for permission to stay up later. Jenny told them they could stay up a little while longer. They had to remember to take care of the farm animals, turn out the lights, close the curtains, and lock the front door before going to bed. George and Jenny and four of their ch other children then went to bed with the eldest daughter falling asleep on the couch.